I mean, what is soul? Allora, adesso te lo dico io. Cos'è soul? Non importa come lo fai. Più alto possibile, meglio è. Pensavi di saperlo tutto. Nel suono giù nell'Atlantico. Col miglior ritmo su questo pianeta. Canta se vuoi, non ti sbaglierai. Accendi questa bomba. with me your host dr groove and what did i do today today was a day where we expected rain but rain didn't really come came in the morning and it's now spitting that's what i would say you know the way the eskimos have 40 different words for the word snow well we have the same for rain i'm sure you've thought of that before but you know the way it could be spitting or it could be light or it could be soft or it could be drizzly i mean there's so many words uh anyway this is uh dr groove this is play tapes 26 it's going out on a wednesday we have news for you later on with andrew where we kind of take a look at the bigger perspective or we step back a little bit um i've said this before that the thing that history teaches us is that often we're too close uh, to the picture so it's just little points of light and color because we're worried about the little details and you know infectious rates and everything else but often you need to step back step way back like an impressionist painting and that's what history gives us it gives us the opportunity to see the bigger picture sociological cultural impacts as well as the political and institutional ones so we're going to get into a little bit of that um, and it's important and i think you should be having these conversations with the kids because they need to know what the hell is going on and uh, so they can uh, help fix the problems when you know they're going these problems are going to keep on coming what else did i do today um did a bit of work and I also, uh, with Soviet Pop the Engineer, I also installed the water butt. So we're getting ready for, you know, whatever, the possible drought that might come in the summer. Seems to be all manner of different things. We're getting very old school, biblical, Old Testament. You know, we have a plague one minute, we'll probably have a drought in uh, the next 
so we're just getting ready for all that so I installed the water button so that's good and uh, always a great sense of achievement in terms of getting things done and I think that that's why we're all doing baking and different things we're all trying to achieve things because there is so much of this that we cannot control and it's always great to do things that, where you can actually control it and have an outcome like a loaf of bread or an installed water button or like dare I say it an hour of good music into your head followed with some real and truthful news so without further ado I think you're totally up to speed let's get on with the music enough waffling for me um, and I haven't oh yeah we're going to start off with the amazing beautiful production of Eddie Kendricks on I Could Cry A Little Oh, 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 oh,
Yeah. 
the wonderful and beautiful sound of uh, your man what's he called again Fotech with Into the 90s um, I've always liked that track that's off uh, 12 inch and it's properly bucketing down now bucketing there's another word so my water butt will be filling up oh yeah Oh, I tell you, I don't like the look of that at all. I don't like the look of that at all. So we had um, we had the wonderful Eddie Kendricks. And you might know him from, this is off his album, which has the big hit on it, um, I think. does it? Yeah, it has Keep On Trucking. So it has the big hit on it. It's on Tamala Motown. Uh, Eddie's looking very um, suave and sophisticated in his polo neck. And white trousers and his velvet jacket um, and in there he also thanks inspiration of Bob Bob Talbert of the Detroit Free Press Detroit's always one of those cities that I've always wanted to go to um, but anyway we'll see if that ever happens uh, or if I ever get around to it it doesn't look like any travel is going to be happening now for a while uh, we're going to go on with something from the boys called Nurse with Wound. Um, yeah, uh, I'll explain the next set and then I'll come in and explain the last little pieces of music around. You're listening to Plague Tapes 27 on Radioactive International. And next up, something from the man uh, known as Nurse with Wound.
Also Xol heißt das und außerdem Xol machen wir jetzt Schluss und verabschieden uns von den lieben Glöttlingern. Glöttlinger. Glöttlinger.
play my enemies like a game of chess where I rest. No stress if you don't smoke cess. Less, I must confess, my destiny's manifest. There's some vortex and sweats. I make tracks like I'm homeless. Rap orgies with Orgy and Best. Capture your bounty like Elliot Ness. Yes, bless you if you represent the fool. But I hex you with some witches fool if you do do Voodoo, I could do what you do. Easy. Believe me, frontin' niggas give me heebie-jeebie. So why you imitating Al Capone? I be needing Simone and defecating on your microphone. Ready or not, here I come. You can't hide. Gonna find you. Refugee taking over the Buffalo soldier, dreadlock roster on the 12 hour, fly by in my bomber. Cruise run for cover, now they under pushing up flowers. Super fly, true lies, do or die. Toss me high, only for fly with my crew from like high. I refugee from Guantanamo Bay, dance around the border like I'm cash. Ready or not, here I come. You can't hide. Gonna find you.
Okay, Plague Tapes 27 with your host, Dr. Groove. We're fast approaching the news section. That was the wonderful Captain Beefheart. Um, he used to do beautiful, just slow ballads. I think that's from Safe as Milk. I have it here somewhere. Um, do I? Is it sa- yes, it is Safe as Milk. So that's a double album and does I'm Glad. Uh, yeah. Um, and that's on double vinyl and it's beautiful so before that we had Bank Robert Dub and we started it all off with Norse with Rund who I heard certain stories about which didn't impress me greatly um, so and surprised me to be honest but anyway I'm not going to get into that right now what I wanted to say was um, we're now going to see 1970s i think the 70s was really interesting the early 70s but mostly uh the interesting stuff wasn't happening in the uk i think it was all happening a lot of it was happening in germany and this is from the band known as can and this is the second half because that's the way we used to listen to music in the 70s it's the second side of an lp or long player as it's called and this is the entire second side of soon over babaluma which is the album that can released that year it's got three four of them on it it's got the usual all the usual suspects uh michael caroli um, it's got Irwin Schmidt, it's got Jackie Leibzitz on drums and Holger Kolzuka on bass. Um, and we're going to hear side two, which is Chain Reaction, followed by Quantum Physics. Then we're going to have a bit of Pop Your Funk from Arthur Russell. And I think that will take us straight into the news. And this is Plague Tapes 27. I hope you've enjoyed it. And uh, we'll probably do it again. We may do it again tomorrow. We may not. Because I might actually be going to the theatre. Because I think it's streaming live. And uh, I'm definitely... I don't want to miss out. I don't want to miss out on the arts, Sterling. So uh, it might be Friday when we get back to you. Um, In the meantime, enjoy it and uh, wait for the news.
Welcome to the new section of Plague Tapes 26. Actually, 27. Uh, we just had a bit of an accident where we were talking for about, what was that, 20 minutes? 20 minutes. And we were in a real full flow, and then I realised that it wasn't actually recording, so this is the second time around. So, apologies to Andrew for wasting his time. But anyway, the idea behind this chat was we were going to have uh, more of a an overarching perspective on how it happened and kind of the class nature of it isn't that that's that's pretty much it uh, here's yeah. a good let me start off with this because this might ground your this is the Simon Shama quote that I really like uh, so he did this whole thing I was explaining about history is really good in terms of it gives us the overall perspective because often when we're right up close it's like pointillism you're too close to the picture to tell what's going on so you need that uh, perspective and that time and so Shama was writing about different epidemics and he says while the epidemics differ in their origins virulence and duration and while the understanding of how they arise and in what form they are carried has changed dramatically over the centuries to a remarkable degree the social dance macabre following the shock of impact has stayed much the same it is a square dance along a quadrilateral formed by political power economic desperation 
religious fervor and medical understanding. Each of those institutional communities does what it can to minimize the damage to their authority, but what happens when they interact is less predictable. So I think we were starting to touch on some of that stuff. It's political power, economic desperation, as in the workers that have to work in conditions that are unfavorable, religious fervor. Uh, thankfully, we've been spared a little bit of that, but they're getting it in the States and medical understanding. So, uh, yeah, so that's probably a good place to start uh, in terms of you were talking about the overarching perspective. See, I'm not so sure about that quote, actually. Right. I'd, be, I'd be less less of an enthusiast for it. Right. Uh, and, in fact, uh, for his version of history in general, because it right. tends to erase class. Right. And, 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 in a way, that's what we were talking about. Um, Definitely talking about class, yeah. So, yeah, so, I mean, I've got to, so I'm going to give a crude version here. Yeah. Because I think it's easy to understand. And this isn't about blaming people, which I think is important. Uh, but I think if you, underst if you understand how the pandemic arrives in Ireland, right, um, it's very much something that the rich bring into the country, right? Uh, and, and, uh, and the better paid. So specifically what I'm referring to here is this whole Northern Italy... Skiing holiday Ski holidays, thing, yeah. right? That people were people were taking holidays in February, which is unusual enough in itself. Uh, uh, were contracting the disease in in skiing villages in northern Italy and bringing it back with them. Um, and even within those villages, there's a kind of class relationship being played out. There's people suing uh, one of the most famous ones. Uh, and the reason they're suing it is because they they knew it was there for at least a week. Uh, and they still kept the ski lifts open. Uh, they kept the late night bars open. They refused to allow workers who were sick to stop working. Uh, and there's one particular anecdote which I think captures the full horror of this, which is uh, in one of the bars, or maybe it's more than one of the bars, uh, they get really busy at night. So if you're uh, working there and you're bringing people's drinks to the tables and collecting glasses, what you'd be doing is you'd be blowing a whistle to get people to move out of your way. And as people got really drunk, then one of the sort of games or one of the interactions that happens is you pass the whistle around and people blow that whistle for you. Uh, and the, the problem in relation to the coronavirus is that some of the workers were sick, uh, weren't able to take time off. And so they were passing this whistle they were blowing into and other people were blowing into it. Like, uh, if you're the coronavirus and you're looking for an opportunity to transmit, this seems like sweet heaven in itself. Yeah. Um, and so, like, this isn't just an Irish story, but this, I've, I've picked up this from reading about other countries where I'm trying to understand what's happening in other countries. And country after country, they're talking about the initial cases being people returning from the skiing holidays, right? Um, and again, I'm doing this crudely because it's easier to tell the story in a crude way. But if you were to look at the sort of people who were able to take those sort of skiing holidays, well, then you're talking about it included in this is a lot of people at the kind of the, the top level tiers of the health service uh, and one of those top level tiers being consultants and one of them being private consultants and the same private consultants i'm sure in some cases who are now refusing to work in the public health sector because they want their private sector back where they can make lots of money out of it and they're running various twitter campaigns around that uh, to do it you know how again many, not, how many of these are we talking about like i and where th there's a hundred there's 130 <laughs> the last yeah yeah the last the last numbers i heard which were early in the week was 130, 130 
uh, private consultants had signed public contracts, right? right. So they had agreed to work in the public system. They're the good people. Uh, the good, the good ones. One thirty. Okay. There's a lot. There's a lot more. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly how many right. who are refusing to sign those. Right? Okay. Right. Maybe some of them have good reasons, but you know, in a, in a lot of cases, it's because this is stopping them making more money than they would otherwise because. Yeah. The system we currently have means the private hospitals essentially no longer exist. Yeah, everything. Fuck this! It's a war. You're either step up and you fucking get involved. Yeah, everything's in the public system. I think you could. You no can neutrality say, in this. Yeah, you can be critical about you know the amount the private hospitals are being paid or whatever, but yeah. actually it, it does make complete sense to take all that capacity into the public system in case it's needed. So far, it's good that it hasn't been particularly needed. So what what's going on is these people are making the, a big deal of the fact that it hasn't been needed uh, to try and get those contracts simply cancelled so they can go back into private business. Yeah. They're, they're more not, money, more money. They're not doing that because they're friends of you and me, no. Joe taxpayer, not earning a lot of money, whatever. They're, they're doing that for, the, for their own thing. Yeah. Anyway, very crude map of this is this is how the disease arrives in Ireland, right? But it's not where it is now, right? Yeah. Uh, if you look at where it is now, we talked about this last night, like the people who are getting hammered are people in direct provision, uh, Roma community where maybe about one in a thousand has actually been killed by it, which is, yeah. it's about, in the general population, it's about a quarter of that level. Uh, travellers as well. Yeah. Um, healthcare workers who aren't at that top tier, because of course what hap happens is it then spreads within the hospitals. Yeah. Uh, and then because if you think of your hospital porters or your nurses or a lot of that, a lot of those people, they're not earning big money. They're getting public transport. Cleaners as well. Hospital cleaners, yeah. yeah. They're getting public transport, so they're catching it. They're then spreading it yeah. as they travel around on the bus and stuff. That's going out into the general population. They're also they're not living in Dorky or, or Fox Rock, you know. They're living amongst amongst the rest of us. So the if if you look at the biggest cluster at the moment, apparently is in Dublin between um, uh, between the Matter and James's Hospital, right? Yeah. If anybody familiar with Dublin, like that's where lots of the homeless hostels are. Uh, lots of yeah, you know, it's generally a, a, a kind of mixture of traditional working class communities, new people who've arrived and are crowded into small apartment blocks. Yeah. You know, kind of quite quite crowded conditions uh, where, in particular, where the you know if you're living in an apartment block, you're probably trying to spend a lot. You're spending a lot of your time outside of that in cafes or pubs or whatever else. You know, so the, your kind of ideal grounds for transmission between that and public transport. And even like even some of those like I know of like houses that would be used to be bed sits where now are being reconverted back into apartments but there's a communal kitchen, yes communal living room, there could be seven or eight people living in one of those houses. So these are, you know, hotbeds for infection basically, you know, that's the the nature of the the housing situation. Yeah, and as we, yeah. I, as I think we said this in an earlier case, when the the most much vaunted slum clearances of the nineteen twenties, the nineteen thirties, the nineteen forties happened in yeah. Dublin. I mean, they were being done by by governments that at the same time were sending a large percentage of the working class population to to borstals, to industrial schools, to Magdalen laundries. Yeah. The reason they were doing the slum clearances wasn't so much about. Uh, 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 caring about those people it was more about a realisation that if you had people concentrated in that way yep. then TB was the big issue then but actually flu was also a killer back yeah. then uh, that 
you got diseases that then transmitted into the general population and that while if you were wealthy you could hide to some extent from them you can self-isolate better you can you know you can yeah. do all that sort of stuff obviously much more effectively it was still going to get them as well but there's also there's also a thing about that's about control of property in the city center people got sent out there yeah, well, no, I mean, you know, we can go to tangents on that, but yeah, 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 it's there. more complicated, but that, that, the, um, that's certainly some of it. But the the interesting thing about that is in terms of, like, we tend to think about all that as in being almost ancient history, but the last tenement collapse happened in 66, so it's oh, not yeah. that, you know, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. it's not like we're, it's not like ancient, ancient history. Yeah, and, and so the, the other... As I was saying, you see, the, when you look around, you start seeing this pattern internationally. Like, the the disease arrived in a lot of countries, or got much worse in a lot of countries, because quite elite, wealthy people arrived, ignored quarantine restrictions, or, or whatever, felt that didn't apply to them, uh, and, and spread it around. So Vietnam, for instance, mm. you know, they, they were, had things under control, then a kind of socialised arrived back, who'd been in Milan and Paris, and got out of control then for a bit. They had to do quite a big clamp down. They got it back under control again. But I've seen the same story told in a few countries. Yeah. And the other the, the other one I was, I was looking at today was uh, Trump has signed this emergency military decree. And you might wonder, is that about supplying PPE or you know vaccine programs? No, it's about keeping the American meat plants open. Right, so you, 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 a lot of the meat plants in, in the States are concentrated in this belt that runs from the Dakotas all the way over to Chicago, possibly a bit beyond. So it's a part of the Rust Belt and then part of the, the areas west of the Rust Belt. Um, and uh, the, the people working in those as enemy plants actually in Europe as well, they're, they're, they're kind of poor migrant workers from elsewhere. There's a lot, apparently there's a lot of East Africans, which I thought was quite interesting. Uh, you know, a lot of Latinos. Uh, so they're kind of minimum wage jobs. You don't have a lot of security. The working conditions are everybody's packed very much in on top of each other. Yeah. And the disease has got into those plants, right? And in one yeah. of them, six workers have died. So there's been walkouts because of this. And obviously, they're now getting worried about um, the profits that are made through that, but also the security of the food supply. So that's why they've, they're sort of taking this approach of trying to militarize in, in, in terms of a national emergency forcing people to continue work and trying to stop the lockouts, uh, the walkouts that are happening there, which is, a, again, an illustration of that same sort of phenomenon. Another one that I came across was uh, in terms of the South Korean experience was this, um, when they had it under control and then started breaking out again, one of the reasons that happened is there was a call centre uh, that it got into, right? And there was about 800 workers in that call centre, 94 of them got infected, but almost all those 94 were in a single uh, part wing of one floor of that call centre and basically you, you, they so there's a study done of it they have a map of where everybody's sitting and it's your standard call centre layout where everybody's sitting tightly packed onto desks you're right across from each other every space in the desk is filled and then there's people on both ends very standard set out of course that's completely disastrous <laughs> for the yeah. well no, it was great for the virus it, it's disastrous for the rest of us yeah. so 44 percent of the people sitting in in that one section got infected right now possibly that was one person who had it but they were sitting there probably wow. eight hours or 10 hours or 12 yeah. hours a day yeah. so massive longer than the 15 minutes and well within the two meters yeah massive so, opportunity yeah. for infection so again like an illustration of these, I mean, everybody understands call centres are terrible places to work anyway, you know, that they're you know, timing your toilet breaks, there's all these multiple things that make them absolutely 
terrible working conditions, but an additional level that's become clear is that they're also really bad in terms of a pandemic yeah. uh, because the disease just gets transmitted through it like that. So I think the thing we're seeing with the pandemic, then, I mean, we, you get on to look at who's dying from it. And disproportionately, again, these are people from more vulnerable groups. We don't understand why completely yet. Like uh, in, in Britain, it's been observed that a lot of the NH work, NHS work has been killed from, from what they called uh, Black and Ethnic Minority. BAM, I think, is the acronym they actually use. Uh, groups, yeah. not exactly sure why that's happening, but it, it's a definite effect that's happening. And the same sort of thing has been reported from the United States, where... People of color. I think, for whatever I think it's reason. black and Asian. Is that yeah? yeah I was never black. sure what that uh, acronym stood for. I think so. Yeah. Um, um, uh, I was just going to ask in transport terms of- workers, you know, um, yeah. uh, fast food workers, uh, uh, retail workers. You know, this whole like I remember some of the early stories. Uh, one of the earliest stories I heard was this Detroit bus driver who was he uploaded a video where he was really angry because some passenger had got on and coughed near him and he died like three weeks later so it was almost exactly the right sort of timing okay. uh, you know and, and so bus workers were demanding things like that passengers shouldn't be allowed on at the front door yeah. uh, or that they would stop collecting cash fares or whatever else and then there was resistance to that in in, in the NHS in England you've had uh, and it has happened here to an extent as well where you've had healthcare workers being ordered to work without adequate PPE uh, and being yeah. you know being suspended or fired if they won't do that you've even had people being suspended or fired for bringing their own stuff in uh, because that, that again so you've had this whole yeah set of regulations New Zealand at the moment there's an argument going on because McDonald's wants to reopen and New Zealand is basically it's so it's stopped down from its most intense lockdown to one step below it right. and the union that represents McDonald's workers is saying yeah McDonald's isn't that essential no, and not. the nature of the work in McDonald's is you you know you're, you're right on top of other people all the time like anybody who's looked into a McDonald's there's kitchen there's no way you could yeah, there's you not could much space happening in there, you know? there um, safe yeah. Uh, you know, so you're seeing this whole thing. So, like, we talked about this last night about the whole, you know, forcing people back to work campaign is is very much about get like the Las Vegas mayor from two yeah. nights ago or yeah. three nights ago. You yeah. know, who was wanted everybody in Vegas back at work, but she couldn't go back to work because she has cooked dinner at home. Yeah, uh, uh, being an example of of all that sort of stuff. So, I think that's what we're seeing being played out in terms well, of that, the that pandemic. The, the people, the fuckers who worry about their stock portfolios don't actually make those stock portfolios profitable. It's the work that gets put in by the workers. So when they talk about getting people back to work, they're not talking about going back to work. They're talking about getting the other people yeah, yeah, to yeah. go back to work, the people who live in the valley. Yeah, they'll be, they'll be phoning in from yeah, they'll be phoning in, the Hamptons. Or they'll, yeah, or... or they'll just be checking in with their broker to yeah. see how things are going and how, th- how well things are performing. One of the questions I had, and I think this is probably unanswerable, at this moment in time, but also I would think that one of the other major vectors of infection would have been people returning from Cheltenham. I actually have data on that. Oh, okay, that's um, that's interesting in itself because also it's not exactly the thing. I know a lot of people like to gamble and stuff like that, but there's a certain amount of people that can afford to just take a week off and go gambling in Cheltenham. Well, I but what I would say with the Cheltenham stuff, I mean, I, I'd have similar assumptions about the class composition yeah. of people who go. They yeah. may or may not be true, but the, but the 
there's actually three events happened in Britain that there's now been research done on, yeah. uh, and they are the Cheltenham races, the uh, Champions League, which was happening at the same time, which was I think Liverpool via Atletico Madrid. Yeah, okay. uh, yeah, and there was also a Manchester Derby on at the same right. time, yeah, right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, now, all three of those in, in the aftermath at the right period, i.e., about twenty to twenty-three days afterwards, there's a big spike in deaths in hospitals, right? right. Of people living in the locality. Okay. Uh, so, I mean, we're not talking here about them acting as spreaders; we're just talking about them acting as concentrations of people, and therefore more people getting infected. But it's actually it, it's 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 a, it's a proper significant effect in all three cases so whatever about the assumptions we might make about the sort of people who go to those which i think is probably true enough uh, and that's part of the story of bringing that back to ireland yeah. um it's also the case of well why weren't they cancelled you know yeah. because all three of these happened at a point where we knew yeah. this was was happening we knew it was terrible because we could yeah. this they all three happened when it's hitting italy hard at this stage you know the, the other thing the exact same thing actually a game happened in italy which featured a team from bergamo yeah, 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 called yeah. atlanta atalanta and they went into milan which is 16 kilometers one way and 16 kilometers back so they're pretty close to milan and they played a team from spain and the so an epidemiologist or whatever I can't say that word anyway they said that it was just basically like a nuclear bomb yeah. you had 30,000 fans from Bergamo and then you had another 20,000 that travelled from Spain so 50,000 in the stadium and it spread like wildfire in both places Spain rapidly took off after that so yeah, and, same and, thing like and, and all the, I mean all these events happened in the context yeah. where it was known that the this was a really big, serious problem. Yeah. The only reason they happened was because the cost of cancelling them to yeah. the people who make money out of these was going to be absolutely enormous. Same thing we saw in Dublin happen with the um, the Italian rugby game, where the rugby game itself got cancelled, yeah. but the hotels put the pressure on so that the, the actual fans came over. And I was in Dublin on the, yeah. the Sunday night. 20, of that. 000, I think yeah, and I remember yeah. seeing lots of Italian fans kind of going into restaurants and yeah. uh, all that around town. And I was aware enough of it at that stage. I'd been at a funeral of, my, of an uncle on the yeah. Friday in St. Patrick's Cathedral. Uh, and uh, when I went in, and like at that stage, people were kind of nervous about shaking hands and hugging, doing all the usual, mostly didn't do that sort of stuff. Yeah. But uh, I, we, were, we were kind of up the back of the cathedral and down the front of it, there was the usual tourist stuff and there were lots of Italians going in and I was kind of going, oh, okay, uh, that, that's, you know, I, I was aware of this as a background story. So, I mean, all this is happening in, in that period. So the reason that all these things are going ahead is because a, a few people were standing to make a huge amount of money out of it. So therefore, they didn't want this called off. Even though yeah. to everybody, it must yeah. have been obvious. But even, what was like, coming even at the, the early stages, when we started doing this thing first, it was like, uh, the week of Paddy's week and it took another two weeks before the UK properly closed down yeah. so like if Cheltenham happened but then the Premiership was on for a while and then that didn't happen then the following weekend you got pictures of people involved in fun runs where there was like 10,000 in Bath, yeah, yeah, in yeah. Bath. all this kind of crazy stereophonic gig in Cardiff which yeah. is also one the worst hit area of uh, Newport, which is right next to Cardiff, right. uh, is also the worst hit here in, in Wales. Yeah. I mean, there's... so like a lot of these things don't don't have a classical. Like, I mean, people going to football matches that wouldn't be that would particularly be, probably be across the class thing. It was just it was just interesting from the 
the Cheltenham Races mm. point of view that I would have thought that it would be a different thing. It's not it's not like going to a football match, you know, if you're in Manchester and you go to a Manchester game, it's a bit different. Yeah, Cheltenham's but, like yeah. four days or whatever and so yeah. you're playing. And it's also yeah, you have yeah, to yeah. go there, so it, like it was different. But yeah, like all of that was continuing to happen just like we saw in America in terms of how slow they were to react. But that's because of the political interests of I mean, whatever about Chama's quote, it is about political interests that people are putting their pressures on yeah. political. Don't don't leave me don't leave me down into a tangent of what I don't like about that guy. Yeah. <laughs> I know, but I'm just saying like that's a quadratical dance. I think that is definitely being played out, and also the whole thing about economic desperation. I mean, that's what people. The thing about the lockdown is, is that there are those of us who can work from home. We're already in a privileged position. Uh, and the people who can't work from home are the ones who are most likely to get it. And then most likely not to be tested and most likely to spread it. So that's what we're seeing played out. Indeed. So I should end with something that's a bit more like good news, maybe. <laughs> Yes, if that's possible. Go on, tell us. What uh, is the good news? So, so I've been ranting about the antibody tests and the way they've been used to try to, as part of the process. As of, proof that we should all go back to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. 60% of the population already have it. So I had two, two new bits of information on that today. Uh, the first was, it turns out there's a group that's called FIND. I'm not sure that stands for. But they're, they're actually starting, with the w, working with the WHO, they're starting to evaluate all these tests. Okay. Uh, and so they've produced multiple, evaluated dozens of them. Uh, and it's quite interesting because basically when you're evaluating them, you're checking for two things. Uh, one is uh, accuracy. That's obviously important. Uh, and the other is sensitivity, right? Uh, so okay. you... So, so how accurate they are in terms of determining whether... They locate real antibodies, whether you've really had it and whether yeah, you've really yeah, yeah, yeah. you were through the worst. Of That's it. obviously important. Yeah. And sensitivity is is how how strong a, a set of antibodies you need in order for them to pick up a result, which also relates to accuracy, but it's a bit different, right? So oh yeah, so because uh, the amount of days, say you're twenty days past, yeah, 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 there's probably a lot less antibodies there. Well, it's or... it's also like some categories of people who've had it yeah. don't seem to have that much in the way of antibodies. Okay, um, so it's tricky then. It's just yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. a little complicated. Okay, uh, but anyway, so uh, when you plot that in two dimensions, like you know, x-axis, y-axis type thing. Uh, so what you what you want is test. You say that like it's really easy. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, go on anyway. So what you want is tests that have say a ninety five percent score or better on both. Ninety five percent accurate, ninety five percent sensitive. Right? Yeah, right. right. Uh, which is basically if if you're looking at a graph, it's the top right corner of the graph. Right? Yeah, it's got to be up in the top quadrant. Yeah, up okay, in the top I quadrant. Gotcha. I that's, gotcha. that's it exactly right. How many uh, people? So end that's up in the I'll top pass quadrant. it over to you. So that's what it actually looks like, right? So what what it actually turns out is that. Uh, so some of the tests are just junk. They're both inaccurate and they've almost no specificity at all. They're just junk. So they're, they're just complete con jobs. So you're supposed to be up in the top left-hand quadrant, is it? Like uh, you're not top right, to top right. Up here. This is where you want to be, that little square up there. There's about four tests up there. Oh, there's four tests up there. Okay. I'd say there's maybe right. a, that plot maybe has 80 tests on it. So there's really only four that would be wow. good enough for what you actually want out of it. Uh, and, and some of them, as I said, are complete junk. Wow. Um, so that kind of underlines the thing that the antibody tests in general are not to be trusted. 
Yeah. Even the good ones. So there's also there's a um, Abbott, which are what, maybe the world's biggest pharmaceutical company, certainly amongst the biggest. Yeah. They put out a, a press release earlier today saying that they have an antibody test that's been approved for use across Europe. Okay. Uh, so... Where's that fit in? in the, is that in there? It's not, it's not in this it's yet. It's not in that yet. Uh, there's probably a certain level of credibility to that. They're, right, like, they're, think, they're a really yeah. big company. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, that, that probably means something. And they're saying that the European Union, I presume that's who they're talking about, BCDC probably, has approved the test. So okay. it might actually mean we do finally have an antibody test that works, okay. which would be great. Uh, it, I think it's a lab-based test, so it won't be particularly fast. It will, it will share the usual problems with that. Okay. Um, uh, and they, so that is good news. And the press release in itself says that it, it works from 14 days after onset of symptoms. So that is typically 19 days after infection. Right. right. Okay. So... So it's good news because if 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 it's if Abbott's claims are true, yeah, let's hope it is because yeah, this would be useful. It means you will be able to do population surveys and and get some sort of sense of how many people have had it, which particular groups of people have had it. That's all kind of useful information, right? Yeah. The important thing about it though is it also illustrates why it's beyond, apart from that it's no use at all for control of the disease, yeah. because if you only test positive after nineteen days on this. Well, then at that point, you're no longer infectious. So the focus, whenever you see, if you see politicians focusing on antibody tests, right? If you see journalists just, focusing on antibodies tests, yeah. what they're telling you is that they're not interested in controlling the disease. Yeah. Antibody tests, they're useless. Apart from giving some information, which is useful, yeah. but they're useless. There are no, ba there the no bases on which to make an argument that we should all go back to work. That yeah, we just want that, to be useful. No, but that, that's yeah. the only reason they're useful yeah. to those people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that they can then try and construct other arguments around it. They can start talking about uh, antibody passports. They can do whatever they need in order to try and push people back to work. That's the only use for them. Yeah. Um, and and the, that's the, the reason I like the Abbott press release was it was very clear about how long this actually yeah, took. Yeah, that's to be all the on. detail, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, so that's the... Uh, One of the other things we must talk about sometime is vaccines. We need to start talking about vaccines and how... Just how bloody difficult it is to vaccinate against this thing. Well, we don't really know yet. And well, that, I mean, it seems to be like there's a lot of there's a lot of unknowns. Yeah. I mean, the vaccine thing is interesting, right? Because what people will often say is there's no vaccine to the cold, or there's yeah. no vaccine against SARS, which was the previous outbreak of a COVID type uh, uh, virus. The reason there's no vaccine against the cold is because there's no money in it. Yeah. Right. Well, also because there's twenty something colds, like it, it, it's rather hard to vaccinate against. Actually, uh, the reason, but the reason there's no vaccine against SARS is because SARS was defeated through suppressing it. Yeah. It doesn't really exist anymore, so nobody's going to put the vast amounts of money you need to put into a vaccine. Yeah. Uh, the uh, vaccine against uh, COVID nineteen, uh, would there would be a lot of money behind it? Right. Oh, there certainly um, is. People are so, chasing that dollar. So it's a very different yeah. setup, and also yeah. it's at a level of that it does you get you referred earlier to kind of military mobilizations or yeah. war mobilizations any of that sort of stuff makes sense so you've had you've even had i think bill gates says he'll fund research on five different streams of vaccines on the basis that that way if any one of those five is useful it comes to market really quickly yeah because the normal way you do this is you'd find out what works and only when you find out what works is you then start creating mass production of that yeah. so that adds an additional delay in um 
but the 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 thing that people are reporting back that are trying to find it is is that it's not it's very hard to establish a pattern with this with COVID nineteen in terms of some and, people have symptoms more symptoms than oh wait, other yeah. people and like so so there's, there's a separate yeah, this is a separate of, issue actually yeah, yeah. does the I mean this is the herd immunity argument right which is the herd immunity argument presumes that if you catch it you then have immunity right yeah. That actually is a, is a bit shaky at the moment. Yeah, but they're uh, not really sure about it, that either. It, it's yeah. likely that, well, I mean, it is likely that, that a reasonable percentage of people who catch it will have immunity for a reasonable amount of time afterwards, right? It's not clear everybody will, and it's also not clear how long that will last. So yeah. it's probably it's probably not a very good, because it's not a very good approach for lots of reasons, but that's another reason why it's not a very good approach. Uh, vaccines are somewhat, would be somewhat different. Um, yeah. And the News in the vaccine research isn't terrible, actually. I mean, the, right. in particular, the, there's um, an Oxford group developing a vaccine led by an Irish guy. So there's something. Uh, but um, right. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Green jersey time, lads. Um, sure isn't your man in but, the but, WHO. He's Irish too. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, the whole lot. Yeah, the whole lot. But the they were working, already working on uh, vaccines in relation to, I think, previous COVIDs, right? So the advantage of that meant that they'd already done some human trialling about how dangerous these vaccines might be to humans, and they'd gotten it through that stage. Yeah. And what they've been able to do is modify that uh, vaccine to make it, they hope, effective against COVID. Okay. Um, and that meant they they were able to jump to initial human trials last week. So they. Oh, is this the one where the woman was supposed to be dead? Yes, dead, yes. Dead, this dead. Is, did we talk about that last yeah, night? Yeah, we the did. We talked about like, so, yeah, so we talked about the bullshit end of it, but the positive end of that story is that it means they... It she's was alive, injected. by the way. She's yes, alive. It yeah, was injected okay. into human volunteers last week. So they're quite a, lo- a long way down the track okay. of the vaccine. All the right. other positive side of that story is it was also in... Uh, some of it went to the States and they injected it into uh, rhesus marquis, which are primates. They're quite similar uh, physiologically to the way humans work. Monkeys. Uh, no, primates rather than oh, monkeys. Right, they used okay. to be called rhesus monkeys, and I okay, nearly called right. them that, okay, but actually right. they're primates. Okay, so yeah. Humans, gorillas, chimpanzees, and, and these lads. They're okay. all closely related. That's why that's important. Uh, but anyway, uh, so these they then exposed the rhesus marquis to coronavirus, and they didn't get it. Uh, so it appears that they, they were vaccinated against it by this particular vaccine so in other words if it works for them the odds of it working for us are actually quite good primates primates no less primates. okay well exactly. there's two pieces so, of good news so same was well, the same piece of the same vaccine so yeah same, same piece of good news but doubling up you know so i mean they've been talking like i think this is way too optimistic but they've been talking about maybe being able to if if everything works having that in production by september or whatever so mm. uh okay there's, there's... We might be out of lockdown by September, will we? Well, <laughs> we're not out of lockdown permanently until we get a vaccine. So, uh, yeah. I think so take, the take the good the news. Better. Take the good news while it's there. And I mean, it, it is the case that yeah, we we have things we've never vaccinated against because we've never th- thrown resources against it. Whereas with this, it makes sense to throw resources into it. Yeah. Even for capitalism, it makes sense because there's a lot of... If you're the first person with a working vaccine, you're going to make a lot of money out of it. But also, yeah, like, I mean, if you're looking at, like, I think we borrowed $24 billion because our economy is totally stalled. Yeah. I mean, if you think about that, and we're a tiny yeah. country, so... Yeah, you're talking about vast, vast, yeah, vast... vast everybody so wants to... Yeah, the whole this. thing wants everybody back to work, so they're going to have to work on this. Okay, that's very good. That's Thanks very 
Thanks very much for that. Oh, and now yeah. I shall run downstairs and get the Neffet thing. See why oh, yeah. they delayed it. Listen to Tony. What's Tony telling us tonight? What's Tony telling us tonight, indeed. Thanks. You pick him up, you lick him, dung him, bongs right back. What a hard man for dinner. Pick him up, you lick him, dung him, bongs right back. What a hard man for dinner. Them say the cat got a nine life, but this man got 99 life. Cause them pick him up, them lick him, dung him, bongs right back. What a hard man for dinner. Them wild, one pot of chocolate tea. And all the fried fish they caught in the sea They also got six quarts of rum Saying that they waiting for the night night to come The last time I heard them say That this man was dead Them biting blacker eyes and them lay it all Upon his head Procession leads to the cemetery The man Allah don't you bury me You pick him up, you lick him down in bongs right back What a hard man for dead chocolate tea and all the fried fish they caught in the sea they also got six quarts of rum saying that they waiting for the nine night to come the last time I heard them say that this man was dead them biting black eyes and them laid all upon his head you should see them going to the cemetery The whole man holler how don't you bury me Then drop the box and run What a whole lot of fun What a hard man for dead You pick him up, you lick him down in bunks right back What a hard man for dead up, you lick him, dung him, bounce right back. I am a hard man for dinner.